Hello and good day, marvelous podcast family. I hope that wherever you are in the world, that you are healthy, that you are happy, that you are making the most out of these trying times on the planet. I am sending you all of my love, good wishes, and support through the airwaves. I am doing as many podcasts as I can to find empowering perspectives on this situation. If you want to support the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Please share on Facebook, on Instagram, wherever. You can support on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair, you can join the academy and get access to the absolutely phenomenal Soul Compass course that will teach you how to use your natural GPS system to create a life of of meaning, purpose, and extraordinary living by your own definitions. And you can get that at bit.ly forward slash mindbodyspirit21. And during this time, I'm doing a pay as you want. So just DM me, uh, send me an email anywhere, matt at zenathlete.com. Let me know what you can pay. Happy to put you through that course and get you access to all the amazing exclusive content and training over there. And for those of you guys who are interested in coaching, just hit me up, matt at zenathlete.com. Some people want to use this time to do courses and level up, and I am happy to support you. So I hope that you're doing well. Let's get into this amazing episode, but first, let's come to a state of peace and coherence. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose, filling every cell, every muscle and fiber of your being with peace, joy, empowerment, strength, inner knowing, and ready to take on this amazing episode. Hello and welcome to the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host. Matt Belair. Today we have three amazing guests for you. Our first guest, Sky Nelson Isaacs, is a physics educator, speaker, author, and musician. He has a master's degree in physics with a thesis in strength theory and a BS in physics. He is the author of Living in Flow, The Science of Synchronicity, and How Your Choices Shape Your World. Our second guest, Ryan Godfredson, is a mental success coach and cutting-edge leadership consultant, author, trainer, and researcher. He holds a PhD in organizational behavior and human resources and is a leadership and management professor at the Mahalo College of Business and Economics at California State University, Fullerton. He is the author of the book, Success Mindsets, Your Keys to Unlocking Greater Success in Life, Work, and Leadership. Finally, our third guest, Danielle M. Holdman, is the host of the Alchemy Parlor podcast and founder of the online community for Modern Alchemist. She is a certified professional coach, NLP practitioner, spiritual advisor, and metaphysical minister ordained through the International Metaphysical Ministry. She is also a conscious business ethics pastoral PhD candidate at the University of Sedona, Today, we are going to talk about developing emotional and mental resilience in uncertain times. Hello, everybody. Great to be with you. Uh, welcome to the show, Sky. It's good to see you again in such a short great time. Great to be here, so Matt. Thank you. Your, your bio always gets me, right? Like the physics and, and strength theory always gets me every time I read <laughs> that. But um, do you want to just share a little bit about who you are and your work? And, um, and yeah, just give the audience, if they haven't heard you already, just a little background on you. Sure. I have a master's in, in physics and I've been passionate about physics ever since I started it in college. 
Um, but I started in college accidentally because I was a musician and playing, playing uh, that was my major in, in college for the first year. So I've been passionate about music since I was a little kid. And, um, and also I would say the main theme of my childhood was developing a, questions about who I am. You know, why, why are we here? I sort of, I saw some of those mysteries early on and didn't understand, but was asking these questions and was really into the Tao Te Ching as a kid. And um, my, my family had some um, roots in East in, uh, Indian philosophy. So I read the Bhagavad Gita and all of those questions about what is life really about tied in with my study of cosmology and physics and, and string theory and quantum mechanics, because those are also questions about what are the, what's the fundamental description of the universe. And then more recently, I've come to feel that the, the, the connection point between these worlds is uh, the experience of synchronicity, because synchronicities are meaningful coincidences that not only make us smile or laugh, but actually help guide our choices and help us see things in a bigger context. So we're not stuck in our little world, but we actually get shaken out of our world a little bit in a way that is not random, but is actually helpful. So that's what I, that's why I wrote this book, Living in Flow, The Science of Synchronicity and How Your Choices Shape Your World. I think we can develop more understanding and awareness of how that operates in our life and actually use it as um, a, a guidepost to make choices that build a more resilient society. Uh, beautiful. I think that's my uh, favorite introduction for you yet. <laughs> and uh, Ryan, you've been on the show before. We did a, an amazing podcast for the launch of your book that's coming out in May, at very interesting times. And uh, I really enjoyed the show. So it's great to have you back on. Do you want to just uh, share a little bit about you and your background? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me on with a great group of people. Uh, so my, I'm a leadership professor. And what I primarily focus on in both my research and teaching, and then as I pull into more and more into the consulting world, is all about mindsets. And what I've learned about mindsets through a bunch of research is that they are foundational to everything that we do. So they're the lenses that we wear that shape how we think, learn, and behave. And if we could become conscious of our mindsets, then we become empowered to shift them to operate better. So as we're in this COVID-19 world right now, the basic idea is, and my guess is that we're all seeing this, is we're seeing some people that are viewing this as though the sky is falling. Other people are viewing this as though this is a gift from God in which we can transform ourselves and our world around us. And, and so how we're seeing the situation really shapes how we're going to navigate it and how effectively we're going to navigate it and how we're going to walk out on the other end of this. And, and so I'm looking forward to the discussion where we, we talk about you know, how we can do that in a really effective way. Amazing. Yeah. Beautifully said. I, I absolutely agree. And Danielle, uh, you're going to be a new friend, I bet, because uh, you come highly recommended from Sky. So uh, happy you. to meet you and uh, a former uh, fellow podcaster. So uh, yeah, just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what brings you here today. Um, let me turn this down. Okay. Um, hi, I'm Danielle M. Holdman. I am also a podcaster, the Alchemy Parlor podcast. Um, I'm a ordained metaphysical minister as Matthew mentioned before and I provide professional coaching and consulting professional coaching and um, people not well discovering and aligning with their vocation their calling and how it manifests whether it's in their career whether it's be a community involvement or sometimes it's just relating to their family if they're a mother or a father and how they can 
run or steer or lead in their household. Let's put it that way. And I provide consulting um, in marketing and small business development. I have 15 years in marketing, publish, traditional publishing and digital media. So I feel that what the divine has brought me to is the crossroads. It's like, well, first of all, I was trying to run away from my corporate background, but it's caught up with me <laughs> today. But um, I really am, I feel that I, my calling is bridging that which is transpersonal, that which is metaphysical to the mundane and how, and really helping people identify that no matter what our path is, um, I look at entrepreneurship as a spiritual journey. I look at um, teaching as a spiritual journey, what we can recognize what our vocation is um, on a practical level and then understand it on a metaphysical, metaphysical level and really align with that and really stand trial and what we're here and how we're, why, why we're here on this planet, why we incarnated and how we can serve in, uh, in our capacity, in that capacity. So that's why, that's what I do. And I, I like to bring smiles to people's faces. <laughs> I, I'm so glad to have you on the show, Danielle. And <laughs> I've really you. enjoyed being on your podcast, which is wonderful. Um, do you want to just briefly say the name of your podcast? It's um, the Alchemy Parlor Podcast. Right. Good. Yes. So check, check that out, everybody. Thank you. Um, can we dive right into this question we were talking about just before we started, which is sure. about shadow work? Yeah, sure. You know, maybe you want to start us off, Danielle, and tell us about what shadow work is and how it maybe fits in with what's going on right now. So I'm going to give you my version of shadow work. Uh, shadow work is really, I did, well, first of all, I want to give props to Carl Jung. Everyone I'm sure on this panel is familiar with Carl Jung's work. He used to be under Sigmund Freud. And then, then he broke off and found his own lane. Um, so really the identifying the shadow and the archetypes within the shadow and, 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 and alchemy, which is, I'm, I call myself an alchemist. Um, an alchemist identifies the shadow. The shadow is part of us. It is a rejected aspect of ourselves that is developed at the same time from the time when you're a child and is still developing now. And why I say that it's developing, because for the most part, um, we ignore our shadow. It is, um, it's like this, without light, without the, your brilliance, that which is brought to the forefront of your consciousness, um, there would be no shadow. Or like I we'll say, there would be no shadow without the light. Let's put it that way. So there a duality of, of wholeness. So within that shadow is rejected aspects of ourselves, whether it is from our parents, which Unfortunately, a lot of it comes from our parents, but then again, it comes from their parents. So it's passed down. You may look at it as generational curses or anything like that. Um, it's by society. Um, racism is a form of shadow work. Uh, sexism. Um, discrimination of any type of form. So that's an aspect of shadow work. Shadow work can, shadow, um, the shadow can be developed on the job. I honestly, part of that was developed when I was working in corporate because it's not so much that they were horrible people. No, no, no. I wasn't, it wasn't the best fit. So what was happening, I was holding on to their job, which I was forced to be laid off anyways. That was a divine intervention because I was scared. I was, I was fearsome. I felt like that's what all I had. That's all I had. And that's what millions of people are experiencing throughout this whole world. Um, Shadow work, fear also resides within the shadow. Perfectionism resides with the shadow. Uh, the shadow gets your attention through self-sabotage, through uh, imposter syndrome, 
through um, when I, I came across this quote of kneeling at the altar of other people's opinions, um, which we all do that in some type of shape, way, some type of way, shape or form. But that's rooted from our shadow. So when you are able to, um, oh, social media really triggers the shadow because we're always in comparison with other people of how our life is supposed to be. One thing I learned about coronavirus is this is the great equalizer. It's exposing a lot of things. It's bringing a lot of things to the front front, forefront. Um, it's the real reality show of how things really are on a macro level and on a micro level. So on a macro level in the world stage, in our government, especially wherever you're at in this country, in, in, in whatever you're at in the world, um, in a micro level, you're hearing, I don't know if you guys are coming across this, but besides pornography getting up, growing up, um, going up in, 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 consu in consumption, Matthew, but alcohol, more people are consuming alcohol. Um, the shadows also, the cracks within your relationship, more uh, partners are, they said the divorce rate has, is projected to go up. People, I've heard comments, unfortunately, of why do they have kids? Because they normally are with their kids in the evening or on the weekend. So all of that is within the shadow. And what I've learned or what I've observed over the past month, I would say, um, when this first really broke out in America specifically, is a lot of things are being triggered. And a lot of things within people's shadow are being brought to the forefront. A lot of things that are in the government shadow, the cracks in the foundation are being exposed. That's light. The light seeping through the shadow, trying to get our attention. And it's triggering us. So I really am approaching this as a collective shadow. And actually, I let's be honest, America has had shadow, a shadow lurking over us, I mean, for centuries before any of us was born. I mean, looking at the history and the foundation of how it started and what has transpired. But to me, I'm approaching coronavirus as not only a great equalizer, uh, equalizer, I'm surrendering and not trying to live in fear with it, but surrendering to what is behind, what is the meaning? What, it, what are you trying to bring to our attention, Mother Earth? and divine universe consciousness. What are you bringing to our attention that's bubbling up to the forefront that we need to acknowledge, heal, discard what we no longer need and integrate the, integrate the, the rest. So whatever we are rebuilding in this new world post COVID, it would be healthier and beneficial for all that is inhabiting this planet, not just humans, but animals and plant life and the air around us, but most importantly, mother earth. So. <laughs> That's beautiful. And um, I, I, I just, I really align with you bringing that into the space, the, the idea that there's stuff that we are not dealing with on a daily basis that builds up. And I've been talking with a lot of people and hearing that, um, you know, there's a lot happening right now quickly and a lot of information that's difficult to process and experiences, not even global experiences, but personal experiences people are having. Like I went to the park yesterday, we've been to the park every day just for, to run around and yesterday it was closed. And so there's an emotional thing that happens in that moment when I look and I see, oh, the playground is closed now. I get it, I'm not, I'm not having a anger reaction, I'm having a grief reaction actually in that moment because it brings home what's going on at a deeper level, which means that my daughter and I don't get to have the experiences or the experience that day that we had intended. So 
uh, the, the, uh, the, we need to be able to let go of these things and, and well, we, we are letting go, right? We have to, we're just forced to because things are being taken away from us in, in this sense. And yet to process that, we can't do that as quickly as it's coming. We can't necessarily be aware that, oh, I, I'm, you know, half an hour later, I'm having a conversation with my friend or my wife and I'm, I'm grumpy and I'm snapping at them. But I look back and say, oh yeah, half an hour ago, I remember that moment when we looked and we saw the sign at the park and we couldn't go in there and my daughter and I were disappointed and that's still with me. So um, I appreciate the, that you brought up shadow work, these things that happen to us that we're not aware of going on. I think of it in terms of layers of filters or conditions. And I'm just really sort of floored by my own experiences of like seeing a more up close, these layers of my own reactions, like in relating to my family right now, and we're in the same house and it's been 11 days or so. And like, now we're like the same patterns are coming up over and over and I'm having to see, Oh yeah, I'm doing this. I'm getting upset about the same thing. And it's this, this very subtle thing is causing me to be frustrated right now. How do I peel back that layer and see what's underneath that? You know, why am I nagging my daughter to do the dishes or to clean up or something? Like it's maybe important, but I'm, I'm starting to see more of the pattern underneath that. I'm feeling like I need the house to be cleaner because I'm feeling stressed about what's going on in the news or, you know, so I'm starting to see more of the connections between my own inner state and the outer state of information that I'm taking in. And so Ryan, maybe you could speak about mindsets and, and how this relates to the work that you've been doing. Well, I want to jump in before you go, Ryan, just because I want to say something. It leads to you saying something, but I, I liked Ryan's in, introduction because I think that mindset that that lens is so important. And I was reminded of the quote, uh, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. You know, the universe has always been greater than us. It's been greater than us as individuals. It's been greater than humanity. It's been greater than anything else. And it can change. And we're all uh, kind of under that that power. And we're just really experiencing that now and so i think that our our the way that we react to things are, is so important and i i totally agree with that and i like everything that danielle brought up and you sky as well as saying that things are getting harder you know one of the things i'd like to say in the podcast sometimes is going to the festival communities are, are, are different things like that is everyone is super spiritual when they got the money in the bank, when their makeup is perfect, when everything is great, but a little bit of ring happens and somebody bugs you. And all of a sudden I see somebody who's been given this talk and now they're being a, you know, maybe not so spiritual or kind. And I feel like that's what's happening a little bit with the, the shadow worker or these, these pressures from our, our daily life and all these things we might want to ignore, um, it's getting harder because the pressure is really real. real. The fear is really real. The anxiety is really real. And so um, those strategies and tools for mindset, I think are just absolutely paramount at this time. So Ryan, yes, please come on in. No, such, such a good conversation. One of the things that I've been learning lately is around the topic of what is called mental maturity. And it's, when somebody is less mentally mature and they are presented with two conflicting perspectives, let's take, for example, some conflicts that we are all feeling between safety and the economy, right? Because at the time, for the time being, this seems like an either or proposition. We can either have safety or we can have a, a, a more thriving economy. 
And somebody who is less mentally mature is going to respond to a situation like this in one of two ways. One, they're either gonna ignore the controversy altogether, or two, they're gonna jump onto one side uh, of that perspective and be rather close to the other perspective. But somebody who is more mentally mature is able to sit right in the middle of this complexity and to be okay with it. And, and when, when somebody has that capability, you know, to be able to sit there with this complexity, they're going to be able to navigate this in a much more healthy way. And so each of us, I think, has our own complexity that we're sitting within, um, which is part of this is I'm now stuck more closely with my family. And there are some aspects about that that is uncomfortable. But there are some aspects about that that is beautiful. Like I get to slow down in a way that I've never been able to before. I get to go outside, similar to Sky, to the park, and I could stop with my children and we could enjoy seeing a ladybug on the ground walking around, whereas before we would have been dangling from the monkey bars. And not that there's anything bad, but, but if we can see the beauty within the confines that we are experiencing, we're demonstrating this greater mental maturity and we're be, going to be able to navigate the situation better. So if we're reacting to the situation by consuming pornography and drinking uh, alcohol or, or doing whatever as a way to cushion some of the discomfort that we're feeling, that's a less mentally mature reaction to a situation that I think that we could all look at this as how do we become better because of this? And, and so um, anyways, I think that that's um, maybe tapping into some of the, what we're talking about, like with Danielle is, can we even sit with our shadow and also ourselves simultaneously? So hopefully that, that makes sense. I was going to let somebody else jump in, but uh, yeah, I love what you said there. And I think that the one thing that hits home for me always is, you know, how do we, how do we react this with, how do we react to this in a beneficial way to see, you know, what are, what is the silver lining? How can we um, respond to this in a meaningful way? And I'm just reminded of Bruce Lee. I always bring up this example, but he broke his back. And, you know, they told him he's never going to walk or kick again. Um, and he spent that time and he read about martial arts and he healed his body. And, and then he became the person he was because, you know, he took this painful event, but he decided to react to it in a very empowering way. What was the silver lining? And to go to kind of Danielle's point and what I think that a lot of people are having is really an existential crisis of mortality, of livelihood. And, you know, she spoke about vocation. And I think that vocation alone is such an important thing for our culture to even consider. And the definition, I Googled it while I was waiting, is a, a strong feeling or suitability for a per particular career or occupation. So you love what you do. You're made for that. And most people don't have that. They have jobs to make money. And I've always seen that when people are in their vocation, it's always of service. It's always benefiting the whole. And when we're looking at the structures of what's happening here and we can really have this view as a society and an individual, right? This pressure is saying, hey, 
we need to work on certain things because we're feeling the pressure and we're seeing the gaps in, in the shadow in ourselves, And we're also seeing that in society so we can have a clearer view and respond in a more empowering way. And so anyone can add, kind of add on to that. Jump in real quick um, and piggyback on what Ryan stated because he actually triggered something within my psyche, kind of like a mini aha moment. So one of the modalities I, I incorporate in my practice and in my, in my platform and in my work is astrology. And let's, let's kind of, whether you believe it or not, that's not really relative to what you know, I want to say is that in the, the school of astrology and both Sidereo and Tropical and Vedic astrology, there are two signs um, that has been on the main stage um, that's actually being, let's just say that they're, they're the writers and directors of the, the stage play and we're actually the humans or the characters acting out the, the, the actual play. And the two that really stand out are Cancer, the, the sign of Cancer and the sign of Capricorn. Um, and if anybody's familiar in tropical astrology, we're on the last leg of the North Node being in the sign of Cancer. And, and the Cancer and, Cap and Capricorn are opposites on the same axis. So if we're looking at the theme, and thank you for triggering this, Brian, whether you talk about mental maturity, it's like, okay, the theme is security. So Cancer deals with the home. And we can look at it as the physical home. It's a um, and Capricorn deals with status out in the public. And both is about security, status, um, feeling at home in the home and feeling at home in your, in your career. And the thing that is being threatened, as Ryan mentioned, is their security. And that security within the home, within your job, within your career, that's all being threatened. Because people, well, they have 10 million unemployment claims. As someone who's been laid off twice, I feel, I feel you. I was laid off during 20, the last, well, that was the last time I was laid off because I've been working for myself ever since, but mm -hmm. 2008, you know, and I remember that time and, and I was on unemployment for 18 months because when Obama extended that. And that's, and I remember a humbling experience is an educated young lady who was in, Corporate America, Fortune 500, American Express, and another um, company, I had to get on food stamps. That was the most humbling experience. And the guy had an attitude with me. And I told him, I said, ho, 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 I'm not your regular person. This is when I was living in New York City. I'm like, look, this, let me tell you my background. And he was like, oh, I'm sorry. And I remember when I went there, they, they were saying, you know, there's a lot of professors, professors who have PhDs, they're on food stamps. Your security is threatened. And so... Now you have these people who had their, their, how they identified with themselves was through their careers. Um, and some identified through how their household is ran. You have a, you know, a lot of mompreneurs online. And now and you have a lot of people who was with the big hang with VCs in Silicon Valley where I'm at or wherever they were doing. Now that's being threatened or it's questionable or whatever. Um, and so you have these things of security, one in the home front and one in your careers that has been on the world stage. And if anybody really who's listening to Matthew's podcast understands that all the major planets have been in the sign of Capricorn, which is about, if we even look at it on a larger scale, is about the structure and the foundation of our country, of our government. And it's about, well, yeah, it's Saturn, which is about limitation and restructuring. You have Jupiter, you have Pluto, which is about deep transformation. 
And it's been in that silence since 2008 or 2007, since we had the last recession, you know? And so as all these things are being destroyed, you know, we keep trying to, it's like putting a Band-Aid on an old, on an old wound and the band keeps, keeps ripping off because and nothing's being healed. Everything's being uh, exposed and now it's being infected. And that can be reflected in our societal structure. Everything is being transformed. Everything is being rebuilt. We're in the middle of some type of re-evolution a revolution that is on the forefront and bubbling up and needs to get our attention. I'm getting riled up, but let me calm down. But going back <laughs> to the security, it's just like everyone's security is, and even mine, even though I've been cool as a cucumber, a couple bouts of anxiety did pop up in the middle while I was sleeping, got that under control. But everyone in the back of, whether we, whether we are like us, we're Zen masters, we're still in the back of our minds. It's kind of like, well, what if? You know, and that's kind of like, oh, God, and that can kind of put you in a mood for 30 minutes to 60 minutes until, you know, you feel fine or whatever. But now that is like, we're questioning, what is security? What's going to happen to me? What is, what me, 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 me? And actually, this is actually triggering something. I'm, I'm going to let it go. But the, 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 the artist left Costco this morning and toilet paper was still out. Like, what's the fascination? It's to the point our security, our foundation is threatened. And if you're familiar with the chakra system, that root chakra is threatened. And someone brought up, maybe that's why people are immediately, instead of going to the preventive care, because at the pharmacy, that's all stocked up. But toilet paper is where they're dashing towards, thinking that's the cure-all for everything. And it's like, no. You know, so it's, it's like, it's like our, that's, that security theme is being brought up that is triggering us, triggering our shadow, you know, having us not even think clearly and we're immediately going to toilet paper because that's that's what we know and that's like a security blanket for, for society as a whole but anyway let me start that's back. beautiful i and so i just love that you brought in this very mundane practical thing um i've been thinking uh, sort of about the way you know what wh what do we value what's essential and you know that's essential whereas we think it's important to have you know, certain types of food or our favorite food, or um, I, I don't really know where to go with that. But other than to say it's, it really does bring home what we value. And I love that you brought that up. I wanted to connect to, I have an exercise that was developed for my living and flow course, which speaks to separating the feelings we're having from the circumstance. And what I feel like we're saying here is that there's the seeds of unrest or dis-ease within us that are there. And they're not new. They just get enhanced with the situation. So in, in physics, in, in, in many different examples, you never get a totally new phenomenon. You have the growth of a phenomenon that was invisible before under certain conditions, it gets more so. And then, but you have to start with an initial condition that has that, phenomenon in it embedded in it and so here we're dealing with issues of security issues of feeling like we want to guarantee that the future is going to be okay I mean that's why we get jobs that's why we get insurance that's why we have a retirement account we want to guarantee that the future is going to be okay and yet in there somewhere is this seed of uncertainty that it may not, we feel insecure about our relationship maybe, or about our job or about our finances or about our health. And I wonder if 
there's anything that this situation is showing us that is not that was not there before just hidden from us and so I, I'm going to just step through this couple of steps to ask the audience can ask themselves questions uh, about how this might be enhancing something that was already already there for them where have they seen this, these patterns before that they might be experiencing <clears throat> so the idea is here you can feel your struggle without identifying with it and you can find the struggle that the struggle becomes less by not identifying with the struggle and seeing that it was already there before and not identifying it with COVID necessarily, but with a pattern in you that was already present. So I, I start by asking people, what's a decision or a situation you feel tension or stress or worry about? And that could be, you know, the big picture of COVID-19, or it could be not having enough toilet paper that's come up in our, in our household conversations. I mean, uh, that's a small version of the same kind of stress and write down what that situation is, just to name it. And then before you react, if you can, identify what's the feeling, that feeling underneath. So Danielle was talking about the feeling of, um, why well, we didn't talk about what the feeling is, but maybe insecurity, or why are we buying toilet paper? Well, there's some kind of insecurity there, something we're afraid of. <clears throat> And then to step away from that situation and say, where have I had this feeling before in my life? Because whatever feeling you're having there is probably a feeling you've had before. And it's actually the clue that shows you what's really going on in all these diverse situations that are triggering something similar. And then from, once we've identified a feeling, we can get to what the story is that we have. You know, what's the story about the insecurity we feel? What am I telling myself about my safety in my life in a big picture, which is showing up in this small or this, this specific situation. It's not a small situation, but it is very specific to right now. And so what's the story? Uh, I, I've been dealing with a story lately. Things are, a lot of things are happening to me related to being worried I'm going to be abandoned. And I know that that's a really young thing. I, I don't, I, I'm not saying that I'm afraid you all three are all going to leave the call right now <laughs> and abandon me physically, but there's a deep seated sort of seed of doubt that people are really going to stick around for me. And that's something that is showing up now and I'm getting to see it more clearly. And that's a blessing to me. It's a benefit because I can see it and I can begin to live my life without it once I see it. So once we identify the story, then we can find a way to drop the story feel what it feels like to have the feeling without telling the story. So I feel, you know, insecure and unsafe, but it's not, I'm not telling myself the story that I'm unsafe because nobody likes me or something like that. So in, in essence, that's it. That's how we get, I think, from this unconsciousness of what's, what's controlling us, the feelings that are controlling us, and then be able to identify that it's, it's a feeling we're having that's familiar and we can let go of the story about it that might stem from a long time ago. And then just as, as Ryan was saying, develop the emotion, the, the, the maturity to be able to hold the complexity of the emotion without having to tell a story that explains it and puts us in a box. That's awesome, Sky. I love how you brought up a process because I, I love processes. And what it makes me think about is all the martial arts training that I've done. And one of those main concepts is learning and training yourself to be comfortable and uncomfortable situations. And I think as a society in a world where, where there's a couple of themes we're talking about, but this safety and security is, is an illusion to begin with. 
and people are realizing that now. And some people have, you know, done all these different things to be as safe and secure as possible. But that's, you know, if you're a human being, your your safety and security is limited. You know, you get insurance and insurance, but you know, the universe has got a bigger stick when it comes to that. And um, you know, getting a, a little bit too, I think, passive. I I, I think about the movie Wall-E. And everybody's on that yacht in outer space and they're all overweight and they don't even move and they just, you know, they don't do anything for themselves. We've, we've lost this, like, uh, we've just gone the easy way a little bit too, too many times, you know? And so we need to kind of bring back our autonomy a little bit. And so I was just, I wanted to kind of share that and see if Ryan had some ideas, but I think that those two frameworks are so important because it's going to go to those. It's, it's fundamental. You know, our safety and security are absolutely fundamental. And, you know, some of the people I really admire and have read books, you know, they make peace with their death. You know, that's one of those main ideas. We're looking at our mortality now. Very challenging things to do. These are not easy everyday concepts. We kind of brush it aside and think we have unlimited years to live. So we, you know, do these things. But now we're really reflecting on everything that we've done, everything that we're doing, and all this shadow and uncomfortable stuff is coming up for us to see if we can come out of this and think a little bit differently because we need to do it as individuals, but also as collectives, because this isn't the biggest problem we face. I think, you know, we look at COVID-19, I'm like nine point million people a year have died of starvation related illnesses for how many years? And nobody seemed to give a crap about that. You know, I, it's like those numbers are staggering. And so hopefully it can, it can increase our capacity for empathy you know, bring us together as a global humanity and, and extend that reach to, to all people of the earth. And I'll be quiet with that and ask Ryan to jump in. No, this is great. And Sky, I appreciate, like, like uh, Matt said, appreciate a process. And it made me even just think of a question because for, for maybe all of us, and that is, if I'm listening to this and if I'm listening to our conversation, I may be thinking, how the hell do I just deal with my shit now? Right? Because I'm going through shit and it sucks. And I just, I'm tuning in because I want to figure out tools or processes or just something to be able to navigate this a little bit better. And so maybe let me, let me start. And if it goes in a different direction, that's, that's fine too. But I, I had a, I was on a, a podcast a, a week and a half ago and the host said something that was really interesting, which was that, through this situation, nine months from now, we're going to have a lot of babies and we're going to have a lot of divorces, right? So we've kind of referred to that just a little bit, but let's not think about this in the literal way of, of babies and divorces. And we're going to let's be out actually, of toilet paper. Yeah, but let's, let's think about this in terms of what are we going to come out of this with? Are we going to come out of this with a baby, right? Because one of the things that I've tried, and the reason why I say that is, I've tried to see this experience is I have a lot more time than I did before, right? Consulting engagements have crashed down. I'm all of my teaching has gone online. It's freed up some more time. So I've, I've asked myself, what am I going to create with this opportunity? Uh, and, and what am I going to birth out of this nine months from now? So one of the things that I'm doing is I'm creating an online course uh, about personal transformation and tapping into shifting our mindsets to transform. So that's going to be one of my babies from this. But then also, that's not the only way we can look at it, because what about divorces, right? right? Divorce is a bad thing. But in terms of walking out of this with a divorce, it could be a great thing. Like Danielle 
would probably say that while she got laid off through the last economic crisis, that it ultimately was, it, it helped her to make the divorce that she needed to make to pivot onto a new journey, something that was tapped into her core. And, and so I think for many of us, this is an opportunity for us to burst something new or to pivot and transform who we are. So if we can see this as an opportunity, or if at least start to ask ourselves, where are the opportunities within this situation? I think that that's just one of the ways in which we can um, help ourselves navigate this better. Any other ideas about uh, ways that we could think about this better or things that we could do to, to help us navigate in a more resilient way? I like that idea of what are you divorcing? What are you birthing? I love that. And what I also got was uh, while you were talking, Ryan, was we now are all, it's like, I keep saying mother nature because I really feel that she's speaking out and, um, and getting our attention. And if you guys have read and heard that since people are having to shelter and stay home or shelter in place, you know, wildlife is coming back to life. You know, they're going out in the streets, they're going out to the parks, the, the ducks or the swans are going back to Venice, Italy and to where, you know, the boats, what, what the proper name is, but where they were uh, originally docked, um, the air is getting better, the, the water is getting clearer. So it, the, the little bit that we have, keeping our behinds at home has actually helped rejuvenate our homes on a large, bigger scale. And I really feel that we were all in our daily busy lives because all our production, our productivity and what we, there are, um, how we've been moving has really clogged up Mother Nature's arteries, her pores. And now they're clearing, she's rejuvenating, she's rehealing and we're contributing that. So I'm forever grateful for that. I'm I try to find, you know, as someone who has, has gone through depression and, um, multiple times in you know high school and even a, an adult and sometimes it comes back you know i try to focus on gratitude what can i be grateful for to really help ground me and realize that i am still alive and i am forever grateful for mother nature really and the divine really getting our attention i mean this is this is so historical that the whole world is experiencing this and it's kind of like, so it has to, there's a bigger reasoning and a purpose behind, behind all of that. And we are all sent, we all were sent to go home, like on house arrest, or we were all grounded. And even looking at the word grounded, we were all halting and we all are being told to sit still on a metaphorical level, because we're not sitting still, like, you know, but, um, and we're grounding ourselves. And we all are being quiet. And, and see, this is why I feel like people are anxious to get outside the house. Okay, I'm an introvert. I'm a homebody. I know I don't, I mean, I feel like, seem like an introvert, but I, I really am. And working at home has actually really contributed to that. So I don't mind being at home. But a lot of people are itching and scratching to get out, to race outside the house, anything, just to even go to, to the store, just to say they're out the house. And it's like, no one wants to really sit back and deal with their truths because we're always so busy. And even me being at home, 
I'm always busy online, whether it's recording, whether it's researching, whether it's counseling, we're always so busy. And even when we're not doing any work, we're, we're mindlessly scrolling on social media or we're, if you're offline, you're doing watching TV, you're doing something that has your attention. Attention is the best, is, is the most valuable currency that can really exist on this planet. And wherever your attention goes, energy flows. And now our attention has to go within inward and looking at what's in front of us. And people don't know how to deal with their own thoughts. Their own thoughts scare them to so that we'd rather pay attention to some may say propaganda or some might say fear-based information. We'd rather focus on that than really go within and sit still and really take inventory of what is going on. And so I really feel like now everyone has to sit still and really look at what's going on on a bigger picture because we were like on a train going down the tracks really, really fast and we're about to crash. And it's been some type of weird, odd, painful divine intervention. Um, because it's like, no, you gotta, not only do you have to save your life, you got to stay inside and wash your hands and really focus on strengthening your immune system. And I've been telling people to strengthen not only your physical immune system, but your spiritual immune system. Um, so you can really be prepared to deal with whatever is coming up. So you can have the energy to heal, to deal, to divorce, to birth, to pivot, um, to just be. And I don't think people can really deal with just being. So. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. I want to, I want to dive in with a little bit of, um, I guess I just want to sprinkle some science in here and this is controversial. I mean, this is new stuff that some of the research I'm doing and, um, but my understanding, I'm trying to explain synchronicity, this idea of synchronicity, meaningful coincidences, is definitely not part of the mainstream physical lexicon. But I think we can make that connection. So, you know, you can go, we can argue that point another time. But I want to talk a little bit about how that relates. Uh, Ryan was talking about, um, uh, it was before, the, it was after the stories. In, in the last thing you were saying, Ryan, about uh, oh, what we want to birth what we want to birth. And the, the way that the model that shows up in, in my work looks is like this tree in the background. It, it's a tree of all the possibilities. And my understanding of, of how nature works in the experience of synchronicities that show up in our life is that when we have an intention that we take action upon, and it's really action that makes a difference. When you do something, you have some kind of thing that you're anticipating. There's a reason you do something. You know, if you're, if you're thinking I'm home alone, I'm, I'm home with my family for, you know, three months or a month, what do I want to birth? Well, so there's an intention and then you do something about it. So you get online, you start researching a field of study that you wanted to research, or you look into how do I start a business that, you know, selling stuff that you had always wanted to do, but you never gotten around to. Or how do I do online learning for my kids? Maybe that's something you've really thought about for a long time. And, and you take that action today, you take another action tomorrow, you take another action the next day. And each one of those actions is in, in this metaphor is placing an apple at the top of the tree. You can see up there, there's these red apples at the top. And those apples are in the future experiences that we're seeking to have, but they're weighing down those branches. 
and making it more likely that something along that branch will happen, which is, seems out of the blue, seems random, but is a synchronicity. And it could be, it doesn't have to be profoundly amazing. It could be just as simple as bumping into somebody um, online. I, I was going to say at the store, but you're not going to do that anymore right now. Um, bumping into somebody online and, or getting, a, getting sent a text message or something like that that clues you into some new direction that you wouldn't have gone otherwise. So how do we look at the pieces of information that are coming to us as useful guidance, useful, useful directions, and see how also be aware of what it is that we're trying to create, what it is we were wanting to birth, and what we've done proactively to, to start that process. And so there's this connection that I want to bring your attention to between, that I think exists between what we do to start the process of birthing something, and then what information comes to us along the way to help us get there. And my understanding is that when we take an action, it sets up these apples at the top of the tree, but they act by filling in the path for us. And in filling in the path, we start to see situations or opportunities or information that actually helps us birth that. So I really support what you're talking about there, Ryan. You know, what are we going to, what, what actions are we going to take while well, we have the chance that's going to pay off six months or 18 months or 36 months down the road? Yeah, let me give you just a, another analogy that um, has been helpful for me around this idea of setting intentions and then taking action. So, and I'm not gonna take credit for this. I don't know how many people are familiar with Mike Dooley. He's got a fantastic email uh, called Notes from the Universe. So if you sign up you, every day, you could wake up with, in your inbox with a note from the universe, which is the first thing I look at every morning. Um, and I really like him. But one of the things that he talks about in his book, Playing with the Matrix, is the idea of a GPS system that, uh, and here, if we want to, when we set an intention, what we're doing is we're putting a pin on the map of this is the destination that we want to go. Now, what the GPS is, essentially the universe will guide us where we need, how to get there. It may not be the most direct route, but also the universe knows where there's construction and different things like that. And so in order for a GPS system to actually work, not only do you need to set it, set the intention, but you've just got to take action. Like even if you start off going in the wrong direction, the GPS will tell you, take a U-turn and head back, right? The GPS will never even tell you that unless you just start along the road. And then as you keep going and you're following the GPS signals, it may have you take a left and you know that your destination is over on the right. But what the universe can identify is it knows that there's something on the right that is going to prevent you from getting to that destination. That the, that the quickest route is actually may not make sense to us at the time. Or sometimes something like this COVID-19 might come around and say, you know, allow like roadblock here, take a left and you're going to deviate. And it's actually going to be better for you. And the thing that's tricky about this whole thing is because we don't know exactly where this destination is, is we will not know that we got there until we actually get there. I mean, we could be literally, literally around the corner and, and we could say, I'm so sick of this journey. I'm just heading back. But we just didn't know how close we were. So we just got to stick with it. The GPS will, will take us there. And so I don't know if that's a helpful analogy, but that's, that's one that's been helpful for me is I just got to set the intention and then I just got to go 
And as I go, I'll get these messages or signals um, that, that will direct me on ultimately the best way to get there. So Matt, to pick off your example of Bruce Lee is, you know, breaking his back while it seems like the last thing that he needed was actually the very thing that he needed, right? And it's, it's easy to see that in hindsight, but it's difficult when you're on that journey. And so we're along that journey right now. I love that example. So, so beautifully put. I, I definitely have some feedback, but I wanted to see if uh, Danielle had something to say first. Well, we're talking about ways of identifying uh, what kind of was impressing to my psyche was just the simple exercise of if, if you do practice meditation or mindfulness or just deep breathing exercises, you know, what is it, you know, ask, your, ask questions going back to the divorcing, the birthing. I wrote down here pivoting. What, what is it about my security that needs to be brought up to, my, to the forefront of my consciousness or even my safety? And allow, I would say your higher self, whatever, high God, higher self, your guides, whatever. <laughs> um, ask, you know, allow them to impress upon your psyche where in your body you know where do you in your body uh are, are they is your how is your body answering that question so where what do i need to let's go say what um what do i need to divorce in my life and then you just feel where along your body if your chakra system if you're familiar with that where does it feel heavy and then like, so if you're, it's within your, your chest, it could be whatever's blocking your heart for being more open. Maybe it's about relating. How can you love more? How can you love yourself more? If you feel like your stomach is kind of feeling funny, it could be your solar plex. You know, where, do, where are you not, where are you feeling powerless? Because right now, was it, was it, was it you, Skylash? No, no, it was someone else. Uh, Robert Ohio. Oh, yeah. Robert Ohio. He was talking about feeling powerful and powerless. And it's okay to feel powerless right now because we are feeling powerless right now through this experience because it's really out of our hands. And the thing about control, we all want to be in control. And when something is out of our control, it's like our reptilian brain is shocked and it goes into overdrive. So going back to that, it's like, what else, you know, or if you feel ladies or even and gentlemen, because we all have this going where you're shocking, where your womb is. Um, if it feels heavy down there, if you feel a little tense, um, I, I, I guess it's a call a woman a man, but <laughs> you're, a man is also giving birth to new ideas and new ways of doing and being. Um, if it feels sick, maybe it's about creating. How are you, where are you creating or where you, are you not creating? I know my personal experiences, I have a tendency to start a lot of projects, but I abort them. I don't finish them because I have imposter syndrome or I self-sabotage. That actually, to get a little personal, it has manifested within my body because I have polycystic ovarian syndrome, which I have um, cysts on my ovaries. So on a metaphysical level, it coincides with me starting a lot of projects, but not really giving birth to them. So this is like another way of really asking yourself, 
uh, another process of really letting your body communicate with you where your, your body picks up everything whether we are conscious of it or not i mean your body and your subconscious it picks up everything and it knows what you're doing whether you're conscious of it or not and sometimes that stress really manifests on a physical level so your body is going to tell you the truth and COVID is related to our body because it's about something viral coming into our temple and basically manifesting itself and overriding our own programming so, like I said, that's another process for your body to really give you some clues on where you, what you can divorce, what you can pivot, what you can give birth, and, and even asking questions about where do you feel safe, where do you not feel safe, where do you feel secure, where do you not feel secure. So, that's my process. <laughs> Matt, uh, go, go Yeah, for it. yeah. Well, I love all that, and, and I noticed that, you know, Danielle is writing things down, and, and what she just shared there were, were just so many great questions, and after interviewing so many different people, I'm probably at episode 350 or something, and I've studied you know, successful people and peak performers most of my life, and journaling and self-reflection is, uh, you must do that. Every great person has done that. I don't, there probably are examples, but I don't know of any. And so those important questions are, are things that need to be considered, written down, and, um, and actually thought about. You know, I, I had uh, Mark England on my podcast and he said, uh, thinking is useless, um, but reflection, reflection is actually useful. You know, it's taking a moment um, and to, to really process it. And you guys are really bringing up, I think for me, like the most core important things. And, you know, you, I loved um, Ryan's example of the, the GPS and I call it like, uh, I actually just did a, a course called Soul Compass. And it's how to navigate life, um, you know, using your internal GPS. And the way that you use it is a, such a similar example that I use. I say you're in the middle of the ocean and you're on a boat. And, you know, life, you're going to create it by default. You're going to be taken through different currents and you're going to be with the schools of the fish until you start paddling in a direction that you want to go. And it's not just one paddle, not just one action. You start to figure it all out. You need to continually paddle. You need to continually take action. I really love the way that you phrase that. And, you know, when you talked about um, the synchronicities, you know, in coaching people, man, I, I know that there is some sort of universal force, whatever you want to call it, God, angels, the universe, a specific one. I don't care. When people do these things, they always send me an email, Matt, you're never going to believe this. And like this, this kid I was coaching, Jordan, um, shout out, man. He's such a great person. He's this ski, he's a ski bum in uh, Utah and you didn't know what he was going to do for the winter. And so he's like, I want to figure out what I want to do with my life, young guy. And so we just did some coaching and we just did all these processes. I had him reflect on those important questions. Who are you? What do you want to do with your life? What are you most passionate about? What would you do if money were no problem? You know what I mean? No issue. And just get him to write it down. Think about it. Eventually we got pretty clear. And one of the ideas was to go scuba diving on these ancient sites, right? And he's really interested in ancient sites and archaeology and stuff like that. And uh, we had been out of touch for about a month. And he goes, Matt, you're never going to believe this. He sends me like a two-page email about how an old friend that he hadn't talked to forever connected him to this person who's going to do an archaeological dig and pay him for the summer and basically train him in what he had kind of elicited through that thing. And he hadn't talked to that person forever. And this happens time and time again when we get close to who we are and what our values are. And I think as a society, 
um, you know, when Danielle was talking about, um, you know, astrology and all that kind of thing, you know, I've had Native American elders on um, and I've know three different ones and talked to them. And basically their, their prophecies are about the same thing. And what they're saying is the same thing and it's common sense. We've lost ref, uh, respect for the planet. We don't honor our planet. We don't honor the environment. We do not honor each other at all. Our values in society are inverse. It is profit first. And so we are suppressing people. We're suppressing each other. All of our systems um, are for this artificial thing. And like I was talking to my buddy today. He, I love him too. He's a banker and is a very successful one. He's like, you know, what are we gonna, how are we going to get food if we don't have any money? And I was like, bro, do you realize how, what a ridiculous sentence that is? It's like we used to grow food and you just have food. Why do you need a coupon to eat food? And it just shows how upside down things are. And hopefully this is this awareness that, you know, on a deeper spiritual vocational level, when you figure out who you are, and it, and it might be a messy process to get there, but just coming back to your own values, you know, and that should also have your culture, your family culture, and your city culture, and the culture of the planet to instill these values that every human could go for kindness, compassion, happiness, cooperation, sharing, all the things you teach a kindergarten uh, kid. But if you go to an adult, and you try to explain that to a kindergartner, they'll be like, you're not doing anything that you're telling me to do. You're running this the complete opposite way. And so all the ideas you guys are sharing, I think is, a, is an opportunity for all of us to reflect on that, you know, personally um, and also as a society. And, you know, I actually had another call with a person I was kind of coaching and talking to. And, you know, they're really genuine and they're really an amazing person and they're very successful. And they're just talking about, you know, I'd love, you know, billions of dollars so uh, I could, you know, disperse that and be a steward of that wealth. And they said it in the most genuine way, which really clicked in why I think we're in this issue is because everybody's got a certain amount of money for that security. No matter if you're a snowboard bum and you need that extra hundred bucks, I've been there. It's like you need 20 bucks is a lot when you're a snowboard bum, you know, or you're really successful and you have this other bar, but they're seeking the financial security or number and not going to the vocation when you can always go directly to the vocation. But that money is always that barrier and very few are able to get over there because you have to get to the vocation, to the service, to who you truly are before that kind of money shows up. And I kind of shared to, uh, you know, Austin, the, the amazing guy, one of the guys I'm coaching right now is like, you know, Picasso followed his heart, but he never was successful when he was here or not Picasso, um, uh, Van Gogh, you know, he was, he was never successful when he was here. Um, but now he was, but he honored himself and what he can do with paint. You know, I've seen some amazing paint. There's nothing I've seen, uh, like that. You know, I'm sure that people could argue that if they're paint buffs, but I've never seen that possible from him being who he was. And that took that commitment, but he never did it for the dollar in the bank. And I think we need to move towards that a little bit uh, as individuals in a culture. And when we do it as an individual, you see other people doing it as individuals and cooperation is always guaranteed. You know what I mean? It's like, oh yeah, I can fix this. Like, oh, I can fix this. Like, let's work together. We both win. You know, we share those skills. And so that's kind of my rant of what I see um, in these conversations of people I'm coaching in conversations with the podcast and also the general public. Cause they're thinking, you know, I got a lot of time, like hanging out with my kids. You know, I, they bug me sometimes this is coming up. So that's a challenge. Every, uh, I interviewed Steven Kotler recently and he said, uh, it's the great equalizer. Nobody's getting out. You know, everybody's getting humbled. It's kind of like burning man is the same thing. Everybody gets humbled there. You know what I mean? I don't care who you are. 
how, how it's set up, that, that experience is going to chop you down to your knees to say, hey, you know, um, you know what are my core values? Um, you know, who am I? You know, and just bring you back to being human because that's really what we all are. So I'll, come, I'll, I'll, I'll end it with that. Somebody respond. Nice. <laughs> I, I want to jump in with something that we really need to be. Go ahead, Ryan. Well, sorry, my internet connection yeah. isn't working too good. I think here's something that we really need to be sensitive about with regards to this situation is because when we are experiencing a crisis, it is socially and emotionally incentivizing us to pull inward, to, to kind of, if we're a turtle, pull into our shell and to protect ourselves. And when we are in self-protection mode, then, then we are doing things that benefit us but have a negative consequence for those around us. And so when we think about leaders and people and society as a whole, like most, our society has largely been in self-protection mode. And that has led to all of the kind of negative things that we've talked about. But even though we are being incentivized to pull inward because of the crisis, we have to be intentional about reaching outward We've got to be in community advance mode instead of self-protection mode. And that, that's something that takes intentionality. And it actually seems crazy because it seems really justified to turn inward. But let me give you a, an example of this. And, and that example is Viktor Frankl, who, who survived uh, concentration camps. And when, he, when the Jews started to get rounded up, rather than try to protect him and his family, he actually put his life on the line by starting to put together little um, groups where they would have group discussions. And that was illegal at the time. But it, he wanted to continue to educate and uplift, uplift those around him. So he did the exact opposite of what even made sense at that time. And ultimately, he's put into this concentration camp. And he goes on to say, and I'm going to paraphrase, but he goes on to say, which I think is one of the most beautiful things almost ever written, is every, he learned that everything can be taken from a man but one thing, and that's one's will and choice of how they are going to present themselves to the world. And so this is, for us, this is our, our nowadays situation where we could either react and turn inward or we can intentionally turn outward. And that may seem like the crazy thing to do, but if we want to be our ideal selves and, and lift others, then that's something that's going to be required of us. Yeah, beautifully said, Ryan. Oh, can I interject just yeah. real, real quick? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's funny because we, I think we're all saying the same thing, and I have a feeling Sky is going to say the same thing. But um, what I got from Matthew and Ryan is about, instead of like we, we talked about, you know, you said profit first, like for the longest, for decades, we've been profit first. And then Ryan, and then Matthew, you said this, but Ryan, you even went even further about being about the community. And what I even got was being planet first. Because when we put planet first, then it goes into then the ecology, then it goes down to the community. Then it goes even further down to the family and down back to the individual. So when we are taking care of our home, you know, when we, when we give back to the planet, the planet gives back to us. I mean, a simple equation is when we plant seeds of fruits and vegetables, you know, if we continue to nurture 
that soil. First, it has to be healthy soil. Um, and we tend to that soil. We turn the soil. We nurture that soil. Then that tree bears fruits that's going to nourish us, that's going to replenish us. And it's going to be some type of cycle. And then even going to this, it's like three thoughts coming together, cycle. Um, you know, a hundred years ago, about a hundred years ago, you know, as we, well, maybe 90 years ago, let's just put it that way. Uh, going back to astrology, a planet called Uranus uh, was in Taurus. And when Uranus was in Taurus in the early 1900s, it was on the end, at the end of the 1920s. And it was, on, it was at the end of the Spanish flu, the first plague, exactly 100 years ago, same sign, same planet in the same exact sign. Then it went into the Great Depression. And then we went into World War II. What that proves to me is that life is always in type of, some type of cycle. So same plot, different characters. You know, it's like if you don't learn the lesson the first time, it's, it's, you're doomed to repeat it. So even though life seems like we're moving in a linear fra fashion, you know, we, we, we give your young child and you go to a teenager, then a young adult, and then, you know, you just keep moving forward until you are, hopefully you reach the crone age, the, the elder age, and then you transition back to the world of spirit. So we think it's linear, but in a way it's really where we, we roll in cycles. And so Uranus is in Taurus again, and it went into Taurus, Uranus and Taurus went into, it, they, they met each other in late 2018. And what that means is Uranus is about a shakeup. It's about an upheaval. It's about turning things upside down, also deals with the internet and all that kind of stuff. But, um, and Taurus deals with stability. It deals with our resources. It deals with the earth. And so that's about a seven to nine year cycle. And so what that means is there's going to be a change in our natural resources. There's going to be a change in our assets and resources and our liabilities. So over, we got another seven years of this uh, because when Uranus was in Aries, that was the rise of the personal brand because Aries means I am, right? So now we have, we are bound, things are going to change within our resources as we are experiencing right now. And because things are changing and we as humans do not really care for change, even though that's a given, that's we're always going to experience it. What we experience now, and, and I, I see things in symbols and metaphors, is we're experiencing grief. And what this virus, because uh, I did research on what the etymology of corona was, about crown, deals with the sun, deals with consciousness. And they said that it is equivalent to being in an a, a eclipse. And that's what we experience twice a year. We experience a solar uh, eclipse, maybe actually no, yeah, two times a year, summer and the winter, and a lunar eclipse. So it's a reset. So what that reset does is the coronavirus, COVID-19, attacks the res respiratory system, it attacks the lungs. Metaphysically, the lungs is equating to grief. If you have issues within your lungs on a metaphysical level, now with your doctors, you know, you got to go and get that checked. But on a metaphysical level, that's symbolic of grief. So when you have lung issues, there is grief that you're holding on to. And then what does that, what happened? Why are people succumbing to COVID? Is because it's 
taking its overproduction of of cells. It's leading to inflammation. It's causing us to suffocate. And what our breath means is our spirit, is our chi, which is our ashe, is our light, right? So this virus is resetting if we are able to go through this death and rebirth process, which is those who are, being, are surviving and are on the recovery of thriving, because I want to keep it positive, because they survived. They, they experienced a rebirth. It's a reset to, to, to healing. We're healing something. And so I'm going, my, my psyche's, I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to bring it back, I promise you. But we're grieving. We are grieving as a collective. And even if we look at on our planet, our planet is grieving. Heck, our government is grieving because they can't even get it together. They're angry. And we're angry as a planet. And it's time for us to really be honest with our truths and heal and collectively grieve, not brush it and try to okay, pick up and everything is going back to normal. There is no normal. We have a new normal. Because when you grieve, you are birthing something new. And we're in a rebirth process. We're in a transition. And it's okay to be scared and to be sad. It's, we're humans. It's emotions. That's emotional intelligence. Grieving and crying is emotional. It's healthy because we're relating. And when we are relating, we're being honest. And we are being able to divorce that which no longer serves us in our evolution as we are experiencing a re-evolution, a revolution, and allowing us to be in our birthright of creative beings. I'm so happy that more people are talking about creativity as an intelligence, as a genius, you know, on the, from a startup level to a scientific level. I thank God for each one of you here because you are re, bringing that renaissance, that Harlem renaissance back in the 1920s, that renaissance where everybody was just in all these different types of ways of creating and being. So I do ask that anybody that's listening to this transmission, um, even in your higher selves and your conscious and your subconscious, grieve. Because that is what is happening. We are grieving. We are scared. And we all have to grieve or it will kill us if we don't grieve. So grieve, please. Thank you so much. So, yeah, so you can breathe. Grieve so you can breathe. I love that you brought up grief. It's something that's really been part of uh, in my awareness for a little while now. But uh, when we... When I'm not able to grieve something, when I'm disappointed, even at just a small level with something, it stops me from being able to feel whatever's behind it, to feel the next thing. And so I get stuck in, in one frame of mind and I can't move on to the next thing. When, when we can move on to the next thing, that's what we call flow. That's what Matt, your interview with Stephen Kotler, you know, he studies flow and the, the experience of optimal body-mind relationship where we naturally move from one thing to the next without questioning ourselves and with optimal performance. And grief, unexpressed grief, I think gets in the way of flow. So by being willing to grieve what's really happening for us at any time, and again, it could be as simple as just a disappointment. Like my daughter was making a, a soap today as an art project. And at some point I heard just this cry of terror <laughs> i went out there and i was like what's going on she said well the, the instructions didn't say to add water <laughs> and so it, it, it's not working i looked and the instructions did say to add water in some other place in the thing and it was is hidden and 
but she had to express that grief because it was, it was disappointment and we all have disappointment every day. And if we don't take the time to see that disappointment in process, it just blocks us up and stops us from being able to do the next thing that we need to do with ourselves and maintain health and healthy bodies and minds come from the motion of everything happening. When it gets clogged with unexpressed grief, uh, it stops that, I think. I wanted to throw in this idea from the, the physics work that I do that, you know, right now we're in a moment in time and it feels very much like this is the world, but this is just the world in March or April now of 2020. And it, it will be this way for a certain amount of time. And this is what we call the present. But I, I, there's various different views on this, but generally speaking, I think it's pretty well established that physics doesn't actually support the idea of a present moment. I mean, there's no present in, in the mathematics of physics. Um, and these are complicated ideas, but I'm just gonna throw that out there as sort of the, a general idea. What I find there to be, right, what I'm researching is that instead of thinking of life as the present that we're all in and we're making choices in the present which are like influencing our life right now, we're actually on a timeline. So instead of thinking of time as a point in time, thinking of it as an extended timeline, as a history. So the questions we should be asking about the choices we're making is what history do I wanna be on? And then we're getting back to Ryan's point about what do we wanna birth in the next nine months? And what is the, not just the present moment, how am I gonna solve my bank account problem, but what timeline do, uh, there's all these branching timelines that form a tree uh, branching off from where you are now, and they all have different outcomes. So which of these extended, um, you know, each of those timelines exists in some sense already. It's, it's, it's calculated there, waiting for us to choose. And our choices become really important. How do we choose to get to one of these timelines that has a certain type of experience versus another that has a different type of experience? And in short, I would say we do that by recognizing fear when it comes up in all its various ways and manifestations and learning how to navigate that fear in order to, to feel the grief is one way of doing that, in order to make choices that don't come as compelled by our fear, but come from what's underneath our fear, which is often a sense of hope or ideas or creativity. And then we end up on the branches of the tree, the, the ends of those, those film strips or those histories that are more aligned with who we wanna be as human beings, as a culture too. What do you all think about that? Ryan, you wanna jump in? I haven't heard from you in a bit. No, go ahead. You're good. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I think everything that's been shared is important. And it's, uh, you know, when Danielle was speaking, what it was making me think about was like just experiencing everything as it is. And so I think through training and, uh, you know, martial arts, again, and just from my lens is you prepare for things that suck, you know? And so when they happen, you're more prepared and they suck less. And some people out there are not prepared for this at all. They are, they're, they're super unprepared. And so it's like, oh no. And they're going to fear, feel fear, anxiety, overwhelm. And that, and that will cause grief. They'll see this inadequacy in so many different ways. You know what I mean? I'm feeling it, you know, and in and, and just different ways. And I think we're all going to have to experience that in some way. And I really love the idea of, of the rebirth idea of, of individuals in, in humanity. Because if you interview somebody or talk to somebody who ha who's had a near-death experience, most of the time they'll, they'll say their life shifted. 
Um, this also happens when somebody loses a job. A lot of times what humans like, uh, you know, like I think it was Danielle said, we don't like changing, you know, humans don't like change. We'll stay, we'll do the same thing forever. Just it's comfortable. It's familiar. We know it. We're staying here. But a lot of the time the universe is just trying to nudge us in that direction. And, and sometimes that's uncomfortable. Um, but when we're nudged, we're adapting, you know, humans are incredibly adaptive, uh, amazing creatures connected to this massive network of information in the planet and animals and all this vastness at our full potential. And I feel like as a, as a species, we're not playing at that. And one of the big reasons is because we're not playing nice with others. And I think that when we begin to cooperate as communities and especially uh, between countries and, and um, civilized, not civilizations, but just different walks of life and, and accept each other, I think that's our big upgrade. Uh, you know, I use the example, like if aliens did exist and they're looking down at us, they're not going to invite us to the Olympics because we're a-holes. You know what I mean? We are murdering each other. Like, look at how, how, like what we're doing here is like our next big upgrade is peace, actual planetary peace. To me, it's absurd. We don't have it. It's absolutely absurd. I don't understand what structures are baloney or words you're going to put in front of me or UN or army this or whatever words that say we can murder people with big guns. You know what I mean? It doesn't make any sense. There's got to be a way where we can figure that out. There has to be. We're at that space now. And I hope that this, this is just a catalyst to rebirth and, and for all of us to get on that same page because it is a little bit of this scary death thing. You know, it's like, oh, what if I get it and die? You know, and then you, you start asking these really important questions. We have a new, um, a new opportunity. We didn't die. We're on the other side. So now what? So Ryan, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. And I know um, some of us are having to sort of wrap this up for the audience and, and for ourselves. So Ryan, do you want to lead that wrap up? Uh, well, I, you know, I've enjoyed this conversation. I, I really hope that folks who, who listen to this um, just come out of it maybe in a better place or at least have a better sense of direction on how to move forward. And I think there's, uh, we've had a variety of different viewpoints that hopefully resonate with different listeners. And so I think that's good, but I think uh, to your point, Matt, and what I'm really hoping from this, and I think we all hope this is our world has gr been growing increasingly polarized over time. And what, what I am seeing in the midst of this polarization is there's something that's rising up in the middle. And, and it's part of what I talked about earlier is these people that are able to be mentally mature and to sit with complexity. And it involves the idea of mindfulness. It involves the idea of understanding different perspectives, sitting with those. And, and it's, those, it's this rising, and I'm gonna call it a mindfulness revolution that is coming about. And maybe I, I, I look to my fellow panelists as being part of this uprising that is going to be the healing that the world needs in the long term. And it's, this is a, a wave that is, is mounting and it's going to crash in the near future. Um, and it's going to, from there on, spread like wildfire. And I think that's going to be ultimately the long-term healing balm. And this time right now is such a great opportunity to step into that. Um, one of the things that I've tried to do for myself is ensure that I take the time to meditate every day, right? So I did it every once in a while before, but I've got no excuse now, right? So this is as good a time as anybody, any time to get in touch with ourselves and, and, and to really 
improve and heal ourselves in a way that and put ourselves in a position to improve and heal the world around us. So beautifully said. Well, yeah, unfortunately we do have to wrap up. Um, but uh, Sky, do you want to kind of end with some closing, closing thoughts? Sure. Um, and what, what comes to mind to wrap up for me is, you know, it was brought up this, this thing that we struggle with, like, why is profit always first? And I'm not sure I agree that profit first is the source of the problem because profit first is this thing that happens because human beings like you and I are making choices out of maybe out of fear, out of self-protection, which we talked about. So I want to, I want to encourage people to go back to, um, you know, it, it's the same about choice of vocation. We choose our vocation a lot of times because we're afraid of what we are going to miss out on or not make enough money at if we do what we really love. And so choosing our vocation is an example of a way that you can start to bring your, your inner peace forward to choose the vocation that you love and notice if your fear is getting in the way, you're not going to choose a vocation that you love. So I think, and coming back around to world peace, peace comes from the individual acting in a way that is not in conflict with themselves and not in conflict with their family. And we're all getting in a dose of that right now, right? And not in conflict with the other people we meet on the street. And when we start behaving and choosing things in, in the world and reacting to people in, in um, compassionate ways with self-understanding for ourselves and understanding for them, then I think that that will be the change that ripples into politics and into the bigger decisions that are made that control our, our benefits. So, um, and I'll, I'll just take the opportunity to say that I have a course called the Living and Flow course that you can, you can get some of these tools and uh, I try and provide opportunities for people to see what they can do in the present to get into flow without necessarily knowing what the final outcome is going to be and, um, and unblock themselves and experience more synchronicity and flow in a, in a way that's meaningful for them. So you can find that at my website, the letter youthrivehere.com slash living and flow. And invite anybody else here who's got something they want to share with the audience to speak into it. Yeah, thanks, Guy. Yeah, Ryan, do you want to just give them your website? Make sure that they got it? Yeah, sure. So my uh, website is ryangottfordson.com. You can check out my book. The ebook and audio book are available now. The print version will be available soon. I have a free mindset assessment. Uh, that is designed to help people awaken to their mindsets, which for most of us are things that we're generally not conscious of. And if we can awaken to some of these things that we're not conscious of, yet are driving how we think, learn, and behave, we can be empowered to make really significant transformations in our lives. So I appreciate the opportunity. Beautiful. And Danielle, want to give us some closing thoughts? Oh, just... Well, my class closing thoughts um, before, well, you can find me at daniellehoveman.com and you can find the podcast and any of my services are all at daniellehoveman.com. But I did uh, want to close with this thought is there is the idea of we all encompass uh, multiple archetypes. Again, coming from Carl Jung and then I further got dived into to it with uh, teacher uh, Caroline Meese. Um, or mice, but either or. But she says that we, he and she both say that uh, we encompass um, these four main archetypes on top of other individuals respective to the individual person. But collectively, we all have the child, the victim, the prostitute, and the saboteur. So 
obviously a saboteur, self-sabotager or sabotages for others. A child could be a wounded child, the abandoned child, the orphan child. Um, the victim, that's self-explanatory. We're always in victim mode. Our, our stories have us always centered as being the victim. And the prostitute is one that does not value themselves. And so they prostitute themselves for for any type of money or any situation. So this situation is triggering if one, if not more than one, or definitely all four. And this is a time, an opportunity for us to step into our personal power to, again, heal the shadow of all four of those aspects of ourselves and really transform it into a way where we're no longer the victim, but we're the victor. We're no longer the prostitute, but we're so, someone that we, who values itself and, and stands in this empowerment. Um, we're no longer the saboteur, but we're the ones that are taking advantage of this opportunity and stepping into our role and not feeling like an imposter where we have to self-sabotage. And this other one is where we're healing our child. We are nurturing that inner child that's always with us. We're always playing. Even like when we were with our kids on the playground, we're playing with them. We're nurturing our inner child. We're activating that. But it's also about taking, uh, becoming an adult and being more mentally and emotionally mature. So your choice is yours. The choice is yours is how you want to navigate after you heal. Beautiful. And I want to say a big thanks to Matt too. Take take the space to just um, plug us plug your show and and also just appreciate what you do bringing us together and for all the all the great great information you're bringing to the world. Thank you. Uh, thanks, guy. Appreciate it. Well, you know it's it's always an honor because uh, I would listen to you guys um, if it weren't a public uh, forum. So I think the podcast is maybe the one of the smartest things I did as an individual because you know it's it's a privilege to just learn from people like you that have uh, just really brilliant minds and beautiful hearts and souls, and they're just sharing the most useful information to navigate this crazy life. And we're in one of these experiences that you know, nobody has the roadmap for it's all new for every single person. We're all going um, through it in our own way. So I'm just grateful for what you guys shared tonight and, and your amazing insights and um, all the reflections the listeners can and think about. And one of the main themes that I heard this evening is just as simple as that, you know, we got to see the opportunity in this and, and it's how we're going to respond you know, go through it in an open and honest way, you know, reflect in your own process in an open and honest way, do your best, try not to be so hard on yourself. And um, I really love Ryan's quote, because we've actually brought it up in the first one. It's actually one of my very favorite quotes. And I bring it up, actually, I, I Google it to it, because I make sure I get it right. But uh, it says, everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. And I couldn't think of a better time for that quote to be, have more meaning and to have more purpose from a, from a person who wrote maybe one of the most important books ever um, in, a, in one of the most challenging and terrible situations you can imagine. So that's Thanks it. for bringing that in. And can I throw in there the importance of that, that applies to women? You know, the, the word women and man are both in there in that, in that statement. Yeah, appreciate that. Well, uh, I appreciate you guys for coming on and, uh, you know, to know that you're out there and, uh, you know, being light in the world. Thank you so much. Um, I'll link up all your um, websites and stuff in the show notes for people to check out. But uh, uh, thank you guys for watching and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Danielle. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Peace. 
Hey guys, I hope that you enjoyed that episode of the show. If you do want to support getting the word out there, please share this, leave a review in iTunes, go to mattbailier.com, sign up for the email list. You can also become a patron if you go to patreon.com forward slash mattbailier or join the Mastermind Body and Spirit Academy. And when you do, you'll get access to the amazing Soul Compass course. I would love to have you there getting your feedback your questions and just making the academy the exclusive content the course even better with your feedback and during this time we're doing a pay as you want so just hit me up matt belair or matt at zenathlete.com or dm me on instagram or anywhere and let me know what you can afford um, and happy to get that course and have you in the academy and it also supports the show so i can keep doing these and uh, bringing you the best guests and information possible so thank you so much for listening to this i hope that you are well safe and happy and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.